today before worship, uh, Renell said that uh, we're going to sing Ancient of Days and then looked at me. I, uh, I'll tell you honestly, uh, it's my joy to be here, but uh, they told me this week that they wanted me to share my story, like Adam shared his story last week, and then uh, Bobby sharing his, and I said, well, I don't like doing that. I don't want to do that. And it's very difficult for me to verbalize, and, and then uh, they reminded me that isn't that what we're supposed to be doing? sharing our story, telling our story. And so they put a guilt trip on me. And uh, so I'm going to share with you my story. Uh, much like Adam, God did not come to me in some great voice or uh, some big sign in the sky, GPC. I thought it said, go preach Christ. It said, go plow corn. But nothing like that came. But when I was in elementary school, I wanted to be a preacher. Everybody else wanted to be firemen or policemen or something, but I wanted to be a preacher. And it was odd because my family never went to church. Adam said they went C and E. We were only E. Uh, I remember my mom and I going to church on Easter Sunday, and that was the only time. And, uh, but yet there was a desire and I wanted to be a preacher. My dad worked for Totillo Fruit Company, which was a, a Catholic family, and uh, they encouraged me to go to the church that was named after me, St. Michael's. And so I went to St. Michael's, and uh, I was a, a part of St. Michael's, and uh, I was talking to Father Deesman one day, and Father Deesman says, you don't want to be a preacher or a priest. And I asked him why, and he gave me some reasons, and I don't remember those. But that desire was still within me, and I kept looking. And in, when I was 14, a group of people moved across the street from us, and they had a brand-new Thunderbird. And they asked me to ride to church with them. Well, at that time, I was walking a block to catch the bus to the Baptist church, and all I had to do was walk across the street to sit in that brand-new Thunderbird and go to church. So I started going, and that was a Christian church. In 1959, I surrendered my life to Jesus Christ. I decided I wanted to be a preacher. In 1960, I preached my first sermon. It was a Christmas e or a, a, a Easter free revival, and I preached on Thursday night, and they said I scratched my head like this the whole time. But I wanted to be a preacher. Then I started preaching at youth rallies and around. And uh, in 1961, I found that the people I was dating in church went to Trimble County High School. And that was quite different from Madison Consolidated High School where I went to school. And I wanted to go to school with those. I wanted to go to church and I wanted to date those people who I went to school with. And so I moved to North Madison Christian Church and God just opened doors. Ray Russell was the preacher who baptized me and encouraged me and was the one who set the direction for me to be a preacher. Ted Kaiser came in as my preacher at North Madison and he taught me the ethics and the desire to preach. 
1962, I went to ministry at Liberty Christian Church in June. They called me and they said, uh, would you come and fill in till we get a preacher? Well, I went out and I preached that Father's Day in 1962. They said, come back next week. And so four years later, I was still preaching at Liberty Christian Church, a beautiful church, a wonderful church. Norman can tell you that it's located seven miles north of Madison on 421, and it was in the Jefferson Proving Ground and moved across the road, and uh, it only had a small area to draw from, but we built that church from about 30 to over 100. And uh, I, I had the beautiful pleasure of a September afternoon seeing this lady, this beautiful girl, come to Louisville Bible College and when she came up those steps at Louisville Bible College, I was sitting on the steps. And what a beautiful woman. And I decided then God had a space in my heart for her. I kept asking Sharon if she would let me take her home or take her to dinner. And she turned me down four or five times. And I kept asking. And finally she accepted. And in uh, February... I asked her to marry me, and in June of 66, we were married. People said it wouldn't last because we didn't know each other that long, and it didn't. It didn't last 50 years. But Sharon taught me, and she was the greatest influence in my life. And I'm the minister I am because she was the minister's wife. We left Liberty Christian Church, and we went to Ratliff Grove Church. Liberty Christian Church was a wonderful church, an exciting church. Ratliff Grove was not that great. We had some great moments. But one day this deacon came to me, and back in those days, you got voted on every year as minister. In fact, for the first 25 years here, we got voted on as minister. And uh, we, uh, we were voted on at, at Ratliff Grove, and... Uh, uh, one of the deacons came up and says, Mike, I like you, and I think you're doing a great work. And this is nothing personal, but my dad won't buy me a new pickup truck. Unless my dad buys me a new pickup truck, I'm going to fire you. And I've got the votes to do it. I was crushed. He might not have considered it personal. I considered it quite personal. Adam said last week that Burkesville and he decided that it was a good time to part. Well, I decided it was a good time for me to part the ministry. And uh, so I went to Cummins Engine and put in an application for a job. And uh, Gary Coffey is the only person, and I'm not sure, that's still living from that pulpit committee. Mrs. White and Rex Farley and Gary Coffey were the pulpit committee that came, or that was to come to visit us. And uh, I had uh, decided I was going to Cummins Engine. I wasn't interested in coming here. But uh, when uh, I was at Liberty Christian, I made $25 a week. And I had enrolled in Kentucky Christian, and I was going to go to Kentucky Christian uh, to get my degree and it came time to go to Kentucky Christian and I was making $25 a week and I couldn't pass that uh, just so I came to Louisville which was a great moment 
And at Louisville, things just fell together. North Madison Christian Church paid my tuition for four years at Louisville Bob College. I lived with E.H. Reed and Mrs. Reed at the, when I graduated. I paid them $4 a week rent. That's a lot, Cordell, $4 a week, just sleeping room. And uh, when I graduated, they gave me back my four years, or my three years of rent because I got married my senior year and uh, I drove back and forth from Ratliff Grove. But Ratliff Grove just sired me on the ministry and I was going to leave. Glendale offered me $75, which was $15 more than I made a week, to come down for an interview. So Sharon and I came down for an interview. We had dinner with Gary and Jenny. They had uh, baked chicken, mashed potatoes, corn. <laughs> I don't remember. And uh, it, it was a good interview, and it was fun. I remember Gary driving his Volkswagen, and how a man with the feet that he's got could get in a Volkswagen, I don't know. And he came in that night or that day with the shoes over his shoulder. I still remember that and Tiger. Later on, they called us to come back for a trial sermon. And we agreed and we came back. Honestly, I was still going to go to Cummins Engine. I was satisfied that that's where God wanted me. But we fell in love from a distance of Glendale Christian Church. And so we put out our, our fleece. And God, if Glendale calls or Cummins calls, we're trusting that's what you want. And Glendale Christian Church called me on a Sunday, and Cummins sent us a letter on Monday to come to work. I have never regretted a moment. There have been tough times at Glendale Christian Church, but folks, I tell you this as my story that God has been involved in our lives. And God has provided me with a wonderful wife. God has provided me with two beautiful sons who found two excellent wives for my daughter-in-law. And God presented one of them with two wonderful daughters. And I am so blessed. I am so blessed. God has worked and worked well in my life. I've disappointed God over many occasions. And that hurts. But in our journey, we are always struggling and we're always growing. And so that's my story in a nutshell. When I was in elementary, I wanted to be a preacher. Ray Russell found and taught me how to be a preacher. Ted Kaiser taught me how to be a servant of the bride of Christ. I have had many people, Vincent Shingleton. Vincent Shingleton was president of the North Madison Bank. He called me up. I was preaching at Liberty. He called me up. He said, go down to Metzger's. Now, you don't even remember Metzger's. You do? Metzger's. He said, go down to Metzger's. And I've told them that you're coming and they're going to help you pick out a suit because a preacher ought to have a new suit. I, 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 uh, North Madison Christian Church, they said you've got to have a library. So if you go to Adam's office, you'll see the books called the Biblical Illustrators. 
They're the worst books in the world. There are so verbose. There's 66 books that cover the Bible. And, uh, and let me tell you, they're in great detail. And they're small. And Jeff, I can't see it. So I have been blessed. God has been instrumental in my life from an E to a love of his kingdom, to a love of the bride of Christ. Brothers and sisters, you never can be effective in the ministry in your life until you become loving the bride of Christ, the church, the church, the church. That is important. And with that said, I would like for you to listen. Listen and apply these words. Jesus said, Jesus said, just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes may have eternal life in him. And note, in, in this passage, that John's talking about Jesus saying, I have to be lifted up as Moses lifted up the brazen servant. He gives us the synopsis, the whole gospel of Jesus Christ. For, repeat it with me. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. That's the whole gospel. That, that is why we are here, that God so loved us that he gave his son that we might have eternity with him. Amen? Come on, amen. amen. God loved us that he gave his son that we might be with him. Whosoever believes in him, whosoever is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God, one and only Son. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but people love darkness instead of the light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that the light may be, be seen plainly that what they have done has been done in the sight of God. This passage of scripture is saying to us, it's familiar in John 3.16, we all know it, but it's saying that it just as Moses saw the people in the traveling of the wandering that they were ill, they were, that they had to be bitten by snakes, and he lifted up this brazen serpent, and if they would look to the brazen serpent, what would happen to them? They would live. But if they didn't look to the brazen serpent, what would happen? They would die. And it's very simple that Jesus is saying to us that we have the light of God, and through the word of God, we only have that through Jesus. 
And if we look at any other way, there's no other way for us. Oh, I forgot. Children's church. Thank you. Children's church. <clears throat> it's a childish sermon. You would have made it. So the light of God gives us, or the word of God gives us this metaphor. And, and it's saying that if we're living an evil life, we like darkness. But if we're in God, we want the light. But we find that the world is dark. The world's full of darkness. And it seems like people would rather stay in that darkness because it hides their defects. It hides their sin. It hides them. So our world is looking for darkness. And that's why church attendance is down. That's why evil is up. You know, I, I, I tell you, the world is constantly blowing against us. <clears throat> the, world, the world is tempting us and, and, and striving. <clears throat> Sorry, here we go. We're going we're gonna to sing this little light of mine. And we're going to sing this little light of mine because I think it's very important. I love that song. But I think it's very important that we sing this little light of mine because the whole sermon is that. You're going to be preaching your own sermon today. <coughs> and this little light of mine, it's going to talk about the dark places. It's going to talk about these things. But I think the church <coughs> has to be the refuge for the world. And when we come from the world here, we're coming into light. But we've got to take that light back out. We've got to take that light back to the world. Folks, <coughs> Adam told you last week about the Mammoth Cave. Well, I was going to do candles in here this morning, and it just didn't, I tried it, it didn't work right. I, I want you to realize that your light is reflecting into someone else's life. And your light, every one of you, your light is making a difference between condemnation and recognition of God. Your light. And when you leave this place, I encourage you to go out on fire for Jesus. I encourage you to go out saying, hey, I've been in the bride of Christ and I'm excited. But I think some of us go out and we turn our dimmers on. And we turn our dimmers down. And we're not shining very bright for Jesus. Let's sing. Thank you, brother. Hide it under a bushel. Don't let the devil blow it out.
Jesus said, you are the salt of the earth, but if the salt has lost its taste, how shall it be salty, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. You are the light of the world, a city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Now, as we come and we talk about this light of mine going to be shining, we're going to shine. I'm going to shine. You just said you're going to shine. Why do we need to shine? I tell you, we need to shine because it brings glory to our Father. I tell you that my testimony is filled with the love and the presence of Jesus Christ. I am here because God has put me here. God didn't speak in a voice, but God opened the doors and it was my choice. God moved. We have a mission, and we need to go into this world today shining, shining, and it's letting people see that we have been in the place of Jesus. Now, Paul told us, for this reason I remind you, to fan into the flames the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of hands, for God gave us a spirit, not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. Now, these are the words he told Timothy, but these are words to us this day. We need to shine. We need to stand up and tell this world today that I believe that Jesus is the Christ of the Son, in God, of, the Son of God. Do I hear that? <clears throat> we need to be telling and showing the world that we do believe and trust that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the, uh, of the loving God. But you know what? <clears throat> I was going to put a candle up here this morning, and then I was going to put a snuffer over it. And what would happen when I put that snuffer just an inch above the flame? <clears throat> the flame would go out. Why? because we removed the oxygen. And I think I'm afeard, got that? I'm afeard that a lot of us have that snuffer. We've allowed the world to take our oxygen. We've allowed the world to zap our strength. <coughs> We've allowed the world to pull us in. And we're not shining bright because the darkness has overtaken us. Why? Because we're fearful. We're fearful what's coming. We're fearful what's around. And we don't need, because we have Jesus. We have Jesus. <coughs> the last thing, don't let Satan blow it out. You know, uh, I think every one of us need to guard against Satan blowing in our lives and moving in our lives. A lot of us, a lot of us don't realize <coughs> the power of Satan. We don't give Satan credit for how evil he is and 
how mean and how strong he is. We need to be giving him credit that he's real. Do you believe Satan's real? Do you? Do you think that he's actively seeking to desire you? Well, let me tell you, folks, he is. Adam has trouble with this, too. I, it's all, it's all uh, Dylan's fault. Uh, Satan's wanting to blow us out. And Satan's wanting us to, and, and the stronger we get for Jesus Christ, the stronger he's going to come after us. Know that and understand that. He's coming after you. And, and, and the longer and the louder you get for Jesus, the harder he's going to make it for you. He's coming after you. And I hope he comes after you strong because I'm going to tell you something. Jesus Christ is the victor. And no matter how hard he comes against you, he can only put stumbling blocks in your way. Because Jesus Christ is the victorious one in this arrangement. And know that and understand that. I heard a story of a mama, and I would say she was the organist or the pianist. And, and uh, she left her little boy and daughter uh, together to, uh, uh, in the pew while she was doing her work. And uh, the uh, little boy... Being a typical little boy was quite rambunctious. And she'd tell him to be quiet and quit squirming, squirming around and be quiet. And he'd talk and talk and talk. And uh, when Cordell did that, his dad dumped him with a pocket knife. Well, this little girl, she couldn't do anything. And she just kept telling him. And finally, the little girl said, look, if you don't be quiet, those hushers, not ushers, those hushers are going to come up here and get you. Well, I, I got to thinking about that, and you know the devil is doing everything he can to hush your testimony of Jesus. Those hushers are going to come and get you. Jesus is going to be victorious, and there's going to be times that you feel like the Satan's throwing you away. There's going to be times that Satan's working so hard against you, but Jesus is going to be victorious. I have a victory in Jesus. I know I have a victory in Jesus because I believe without, a, without hesitation that Jesus died on the cross for my sins and that Jesus rose on the third day. There's no question in my mind that Jesus Christ is alive, Jesus Christ is coming again, and Jesus Christ is going to claim each of us for his own if we're that shining light for him. Now I want to ask you a question. Are you a shining light for Jesus? How have you pierced the darkness? Are you shining for Jesus? Or has some of your oxygen gone out of you? Some of your excitement, some of your hope, some of your thrill. I was the first person baptized in the church at Mount Bird Christian Church and I want to tell you something about Mount Bird Christian Church the first preacher of the Glendale Christian Church in 1879 was a preacher by the name of F.G. Allen the preacher that 
established Mount Bird Christian Church in Milton, Kentucky, where I was baptized, was a preacher by the name of F.G. Allen. Isn't that a quinkadink? In the Mount Bird Christian Church, there hung a picture of an old man with a long beard. I never understood who that old man was until I came to Glendale Christian Church. And in Moffat Cemetery at Mount Bird Christian Church, there is a grave with a stump, like a stump, concrete stump, with a pulpit on top, and it's F.G. Allen and his wife who died at Mount Bird Christian Church. Now, folks, that's a coincidence. But I was baptized there, and I was so excited because I was the first person baptized. And uh, how many of you ever heard of Harlan Hubbard? Harlan Hubbard is the Kentucky artist, a renowned Kentucky artist. He painted the baptistry painting, and I met him while he was doing that. My story is so neat and so twisted in back and forth in joy and happiness. But that excitement that I had that first day, that nervousness and that uh, excitement I had of preaching my first sermon, my joy of being the preacher at Liberty Christian Church and watching it grow from 40, 30, 40 people to 100 was an exciting time. And to watch this church, when we came here, there were 64 in Sunday school, but less in church. Back in those days, people came to Sunday school. They counted Sunday school. They didn't count church. And to see 50-some people grow to the numbers and build what they've built and done what they hear, God's hand has been in it. And God's hand's only been in it because people are shining lights for Jesus. So I tell you again, break this world. Because never before did I think that we would have murders in our community. Never before did I think we would have kids watching out for drugs because you can't share medicine with somebody in school that you've known for years. We're living in a dark time. And we're living in a, heart, a hurt time when kids are hurt and adults are hurt and people are hurt. And others seem to take joy in it. We're living in a dark time. And we need your light for Jesus. Amen. Would you pray with me?